Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my Eye Clarity Podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest Eye Clarity episode. Hey everyone, great to have you on my iClarity podcast today. So I gave a session to somebody recently diagnosed with glaucoma and she just had cataract surgery as well. She's also dealing with dry eye. But the point I want you to hear about is the relationship between her high myopia and her glaucoma. There is a very strong correlation to our refractive error and eye disease. I know that's not talked about very much in the medical literature or even in, you know, clinical practice. But when you develop a certain prescription like myopia, especially at minus 14 in the right eye and minus 11 in the left eye, that's a high degree of tunneling and pulling in your vision, which creates compression in the eye tissue, which is parallel to what glaucoma is. It's a tunneling, it's a tightening, and there are different reasons why we develop glaucoma. I mean, it is a vascular disease, but function changes structure. How we use our anatomy is going to eventually change the anatomy and physiology. The other piece I want you to think about is this patient was very nearsighted and then she had cataract surgery and she became farsighted. And I talk about the ramifications of that in the session Because if you're nearsighted, your personality, your behavior, your response to life is very different. The mindset is very different than if you're farsighted. And so those of you that say or are thinking about refractive surgery or cataract surgery, the best way to go is if you're nearsighted before surgery, you want to be nearsighted after surgery. And if you're farsighted before surgery, you want to be farsighted after surgery. The difficulty comes in when you are nearsighted before the surgery and you become farsighted after the surgery like this patient. And I talk about the influences and also the effects of this discrepancy and how it may be playing into glaucoma, dry eye, and other things. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks again for tuning in. Leave a comment or review on Spotify, Apple, or my website. I have your history in front of me and your intake form, and it sounds like you want some advice uh, from a functional medicine perspective with uh, optic nerve glaucoma 
and uh, fuzzy vision. And my dry eye. Your dry eye, of course. Yeah. Yes. So give me a little uh, context on what you've tried, maybe what the other eye doctors have given you, uh, your glaucoma meds, if you're on any. Yes. Um, actually, um, the glaucoma meds, I'm only in my, my left eye. I'm on uh, Timolol with dorzolamide okay. twice a day mm-hmm. in the left eye, and then um, latanoprost at night. I don't okay. take any any in my right eye because I had the trabeculectomy surgery done. Okay. And so you know, so my pressures are like 8 to 10 in the right, and on the left, they're like um, between 11 and 13. Okay, sounds good. That's that's a good place to be. Uh, what about the optic nerve? How's the health? On the, well, on the the, the issue is, is because yeah. I'm so myopic, any yeah. of the um, cameras that they use, they don't get anything accurate. Um, so what they're, what they rely on is the visual field, which, um, over the last couple of years has been a little bit suspect. That's why he, I just recently upped, um, an extra med on the, on the left eye. It used to be just the, um, the Timolol, but he just mm-hmm. recently added the durzolamide. Exactly. Um, and I, you know, obviously I've noticed that there has been vision loss. I have two large areas where my, you know, blind spots are that mm-hmm. are very large. Um, and every time I talk to my glaucoma um, specialist, he's out of Mass General, I mean, Mass Ioneer, um, he doesn't give me much, you know, hope on any other kinds of, you know, supplements or things along those lines that can support what I'm doing. Um, Mm -hmm. so that makes me very nervous, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and he just looks at it as, you know, it is what it is type of thing. And he's a young gentleman too. Okay. So how much myopia do you have? Well, really significant. Um, what I could tell you is I can tell you what my diopters were when I wore contacts in my right eye, it was a minus 14 and a quarter. In my left, it was 11 and three quarters. Okay. So do you wear contacts now? Or? No. Since I've had cataract surgery, I just mm-hmm. wear uh, overcorrection. Overcorrection meaning um, something for reading or? And for distance. But what is, what, what is that? Do you know what the diopters are? Um. I can pull out my prescription for you. Um, what um, I have the sphere, the cylinder, the axis. Just give, um, it, give it all to me. Uh, OD is right eye, so you can start there. Um, is a plus twenty five point twenty twenty five. Yes. Cylinder is minus uh, 2.25. Okay. Axis is 110. Got it. Left eye. Do you have an ad on that? Um, I, but I also, with my distance, they've added prism. So I have uh, okay. a four in both eyes. Which direction? Um, BO. Face out. Okay. And, and then on the, the left is also a plus 
0.25, a minus 1.25, and the axis is a 0.34. Okay. Do you have a bifocal to that? Um, my readers, I think, are 2.5. So do you just use readers from the drugstore or? No, they give me a prescription. I, okay. I do a script for it. Okay. All right. So question, when did this glaucoma diagnosis come up for you? When I was, happy birthday when I was 40. Okay, so a long time ago. Yeah. And um, then the dry eye, when did that emerge? Um, I would probably say in my 50s, late okay. 50s, mid to late 50s. All right. But I've also I've also been diagnosed with macular degeneration, but that's more related to because I'm high myopia. And I've had um, some injections in the eyes, nothing consistent. The last one, I think, was five years ago. Okay. All righty. So you, you must have found me on social media, I guess. Yes, through um, – you did a talk with, I think um, – either Jeff Brand or Perlmutter, either one yeah, of them. All right, Perlmutter, yeah. 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 So, so I guess you have uh, consumed a little bit of my content. What is it about my perspective that inspired you enough to want to talk to me? Well, I actually, I do see a functional medicine doctor myself oh, for really? other issues. Yes. Um, so I have been looking looking for somebody to address the eye, and actually my sister helped me um, right. to gear towards you um, okay. because she also uses a functional medicine all, uh, doctor also. Right. So I, I understand the approach, right. and um, and I you know, and the funny thing is, I've been in medicine for forty two years, so I you know. I understand, you know, some of the drug stuff, but at the same time, I also believe that you have to look at the core and, you know, kind of peel back the onion on things. So what does that mean you've been in medicine for? Well, I, in other words, you know, you have a complaint, a symptom, people go to a doctor and they get a drug where, you know, what is, you know, what is the underlying stuff going on? Okay. So what do you think the underlying stuff is? Well, for me, you know, a lot of it is anatomy, you know, because of my myopia, I have a too long, my eyeballs too long and it's just kind of stretching everything out. <laughs> okay. But you had the cataract surgery. Yes. So do you think that changed anything? I, I have not really thought about it. I mean, I know that after the cataract surgery, little, you know, things have cropped up. Okay. Like, like what? Well, well, the, you know, the, the dry eye. I see. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Any floaters? Um, not really. Okay. All right. Well, I certainly have a lot to say, um, <laughs> a lot to, you know, propose to you. So it's kind of a paradigm shift. And so we're going to be more in the camp of uh, Dr. Perlmutter and, and Dr. Bland in that sense. And um, let's talk first about the 
glaucoma situation because uh, the glaucoma situation is really an issue with vascular health. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the key in preserving your optic nerve is the first and foremost strategy when you develop glaucoma. And so either you can use pharmaceutical drugs, you can do, you know, iridectomies, trabeculotomies, that's kind of the more nuts and bolts mechanical approach. There are some other avenues that one could pursue, and I could propose those and see how that lands in you. If you feel like, you know, you'd like to embark on some of those things. So let's start with the more basic stuff, which you already may be doing. So the optic nerve needs a couple of things for preservation. The first thing it needs is a DHA-based, EPA-based, mostly DHA though, of omega-3. Mm-hmm. And again, you may already have these boxes checked off. I'm just going to go through. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So that's a, that's a no-brainer, omega-3. Another one that seems to have gotten some good results is a small dose of ginkgo. Uh, you're looking at maybe 80 to 100 milligrams a day of, of ginkgo. Also, there's another one that's really coming into, into popularity now called nitric oxide. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually created an optic nerve formula which I know. I saw that the the powder. Yeah, an alpha lipoic acid. So that's that's a good vasodilator, and some preliminary studies have shown that it it can help neutralize some of the the uh, you know the vascular impediment effects. Uh, another one is bilberry. That's you know mm -hmm. helps improve not only optic nerve circulation but also retina. And maybe even a little bit macula. Are you going to um, um, summarize is, this uh, and put this on a, a treatment plan or, you know, information onto the patient portal? Or should I be writing all notes down? <laughs> well, I am recording this, which I'm okay. to a copy of it. And so I find people learn when they go back and they, they um, you know, they write it down and they kind of take it in. Mm -hmm. But I'm also available. I can... Um, you know, give you these things also. Um, but this is being recorded for you. And so everything that I'm saying is um, you will get a copy of that. Okay. Audio, you know. Okay. And um, so, sure. Okay. And then, you know, there are more, well, let's say, new cutting edge things like red light therapy. I don't know if you've seen uh, what's been talked about with red light, but there was an ophthalmologist in the UK, his name's Glenn Jeffries. And the Jeffries lab has been doing neuroplasticity research on the eyes for many years. Oh, really? He kind of misses the ophthalmology radar screen because it's, uh, it's related more to mitochondria stimulation. And mm -hmm. when I talk to my colleagues about 
mitochondria in the retina or macula, they, they, you know, it's like deer in the headlights. They're just not really into that. But Jeffries took a group of subjects between the ages of 40 and 70 who were losing their eyesight from a, to a variety of conditions. And he applied three minutes of red light to the eyes. It wasn't even a lot. It was like three minutes a day, a uh, few days a week. And after the 12 weeks, the subjects increased their visual acuity readings by 22%. Mm-hmm. Unheard of in eye research. Usually you increase visual acuity 2%, 5%, maybe. And red light is getting a lot of interest now because what it does is it, you see, after about age 40, your retina starts to degenerate. That's in everybody. And it has one of, if not the highest metabolic needs of the body. The macula has the highest metabolic need of the, of the retina. And so as the mitochondria go, go down, goes down in producing ATP, uh, something is, starts to grow in there called reactive oxygen species, which is bad stuff. It's like mm-hmm. uh, oxidative stress inflammation. Mm-hmm. So what Jeffrey's uh, hypothesis was is if we give red light, it reawakens that mitochondria to increase ATP and the ROS goes down. And this reduces oxidative stress. It regenerates the retina. As long as the cells aren't dead. If they're dead, nothing you can do. But if they're just, you know, clogged up with oxidative stress or inflammation, then the mitochondria like this red light. And the only stipulation is that you do it in the morning. That's where you get the best uh, Hmm. effects. And so um, I work with him. And then there's a guy in at Stanford, who teaches ophthalmologists. He's a neuroscientist. Huberman is his name. And uh, I talked with him about it. He did a couple of podcasts on red light, and he was really uh, pro red red light, and he's a pretty standard medical guy. So between the two of them, I did my own research because I've been doing color therapy for 40 years, and I was getting some really good results. So then how do you apply it? Where do you get Mm -hmm. it? And there was a company affiliated with Jefferies in the UK called iPower. They were in the London area. And I said, send me some of your glasses. They were these special glasses. But uh, they couldn't deliver. It was just, and the shipping was so expensive. So I did my own research and development with my own people. And I came up with a, a pair of red glasses which has the exact tint, the 670 nanometers, that's what you need. That's the red, the red frequency. And so people now are using these red glasses. And I would say for you, it, you know, coupling it with something around, you know, the nitric oxide and, you know, some of these other, other things, I think that it's definitely the worst case scenario is nothing's going to happen. I kind of doubt that. I think some positive things are going to happen for you that could help you improve your eyesight and maybe slow down this, this glaucoma progression. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's something I've written a couple of blogs on it. There's science behind it. You can look at some of the research and make your own decision. Uh, But so far, preliminary, 
um, it's positive and you don't have to use drugs or surgery, which I like. And, um, you know, it's just, I basically would do, if I were you, I would do it every day, do it in the morning. You don't need a bright light source. Uh, you can just do it looking out your window or, you know, even a, in a dimmer room if you've got light sensitivity. And, you know, five to 15 minutes, it's up to you. But in the morning, five minutes and try it for a month and see what happens. Um, I think that it's definitely worth at least knowing about, especially mm -hmm. because you've got a lot going on. Um, so... Um, I'm going to pause here and see if you've got any questions either about the red light, about any of these nutrients I've talked about. I can go into more depth uh, or we can move on. It's up to you. Uh, no, um, with the um, the red light therapy and the, the glasses, is that something you have on your website? I mean, I'm going to be in London at the end of next month. <laughs> Could I get them there? <laughs> I'll give you the name of the. I mean, I think mine are better because it's a bigger lens and it's not uh -huh. an LED light. Mm -hmm. um, so you might have tr even trouble getting it in London. I I don't know. I mean, the company is called iPower. Yeah, I wrote it down. Uh, yeah. So, or you can just get it on my website. So whatever. Oh, it's on, they are on your website? Uh, yeah, my red glasses are on the website. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, you can just get them and we'll be shipping to you in a couple of days. Okay. And, you know, you're done. And it's it's a really – I had somebody at a seminar, and they were trying both the iPower glasses. They were able to get them and mine, and they like mine better because the lens is bigger and, you know, it's right on the eyes. And basically, you just need to look out, and, uh, you know, the, the light that's coming in will deliver the red into the – it may even have some effect on the dry eye. I, you know, I preliminarily – preliminarily, I have seen – a little bit of improvement with the dry eye mm -hmm. uh, with that. So, um, yeah, check it out. Okay. <laughs> and then, um, your, um, formula for the optic nerve. When I yes. looked at it, it didn't say how you use it or how much you use, you no. know? So it's a scoop right on the label. So you do a scoop and some water and, uh, it tastes pretty good. It's like a berry, uh, uh, flavor. So there's a scoop in there. You just do one scoop in the morning and, uh, that's it. You know, it's, um, okay. it's very easy to take and, uh, tastes good. And, um, you know, that vasodilation is really important for you. So, um, and then you could look at something like, you know, I don't know what you're doing around. I, I vitamin, my eye vitamin has taurine, ginkgo, Right. Bury in it, you know, so you can kind of see how how that lands in you. There are a lot of good ones. So I would make sure, um, and mine also has these in it, lutein and zeaxanthin, because when you've had cataract surgery, let's discuss blue light. So artificial blue light emitted from this, any of the screens does have a tendency to affect the tissue of the eye, dries it yeah. out. And because the cataract lens probably doesn't have any blue protect in it, I've talked to some of the manufacturers and companies that, that, that manufacture IOLs and they, they put UV in it, but they're slow to put the blue blocker in it. Yeah. So that's where if you're doing any extended screen time, I probably would do some kind of blue lens, blue protect lens. All my um, lenses do have it okay. on, have the coating on it. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Um, and then the other thing is that 
Um, there's a, there's a couple other things. You know, I went to a glaucoma meeting in December. It was like cutting edge. These are guys, the ophthalmologists around the world, and three days of glaucoma. It was all medical, so it wasn't really functional medicine. But um, you know, I wanted to see what they were doing, what their thoughts were, and they they did say a few things that are appropriate to our conversation. Number one, they said if you can change how the cerebral spinal fluid interacts with the eyes, you hmm. can actually bring the eye pressure down. Now, they didn't say how to do that, <laughs> but the way you do that is by getting a treatment called craniosacral therapy. You may have oh, heard yeah. of it, right? And oh, so yeah. I, I'm a, I was a physical therapist, so okay. I used to do yeah. it. So I, I'm a craniotherapist. I went back to school oh. 30 years ago because I, I was measuring people's glaucoma, their pressure, and I'd give them a session, and damn, their pressure, their numbers would go down four to six millimeters just after one session. Mm -hmm. and so it was great to see these guys actually admit, well, if you can do something to the cerebral spinal fluid flow, you're going to bring the eye pressure down. So I think getting some cranial work, I think lymphatic stimulation. I mean, there's been studies that show jumping on a rebounder can bring your eye pressure down. Well, I um, do do some um, lymphatic stuff in the morning. Yeah. I also do dry brushing, um, yeah, yeah. you know, so I'm, you know, cognizant yeah. of that. Yep. And then, you know, in, I also studied acupuncture and in my acupuncture training, I learned that the liver and the... Um, spleen, the gallbladder, all the meridians basically almost go to the eyes. And so sometimes acupuncture can be helpful. There's also the relationship between the liver and the gallbladder. This is not well known. It's known very well in functional medicine because it's where I learned it. So here's the deal. The liver produces bile and the gallbladder stores it. And bile is important for helping you absorb fat-soluble vitamins. And those fat-soluble vitamins are very important for the eyes. Vitamin A, lutein, and zeaxanthin. So if there's any struggle with either producing or absorbing or, or, or storing the bile, I have created what we call a gallbladder formula, which helps in the production and absorption of fat-soluble vitamins. And there's another piece to this that I learned in functional medicine, which is sometimes the pancreatic enzymes are not being produced, and they also will come in and help us in fat-soluble absorption. Right. That was one of the first things the functional medicine doctor did That's is all. check that, and I went through a whole regime of doing cool. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not many people know about it. When I mention it to ophthalmologists, they've never heard of it. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, if you study functional medicine, yeah, you're, you're, it's obvious because um, there have been a number of people who have taken, been taking a lot of eye supplements or they eat really well like you, and we add these two things and that seems to help them reduce the dryness, the dry eye, and also helps their eyesight. But you've got that covered, so we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, See if there's anything else uh, to to talk about. So some some other things that um, again, this is more in functional medicine, and you may be doing this already. 
the intermittent fasting has shown to be helpful, sometimes moving more towards a keto diet. The glucose uh, situation, I mean, these are all things you're probably handling yeah. quite yeah, well. Yeah, I do intermittent um, fasting anyways. Yeah. So, so all that, all that's good. Um, which now brings us to the conversation of your minus 14, minus 11. So I'm going to say something that's a little out of school, perhaps, for what maybe you've been exposed to. But what happens in nearsightedness is there's a tendency on a functional level, that's in other words how we use our eyes, to tunnel our vision. And what we do is we become very macula-centric in myopia. Because myopia is a lot about I need to see it clearly and I need a minus lens. And so when you wear a minus lens, it focuses almost all the light into the macula area, but mm -hmm. there's, nothing, there's nothing in the periphery because the lens, even a contact lens, it's thick around the edge so you're basically tunneling, right? Mm -hmm. now, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like a form of glaucoma, but it's a functional form that's driven by your prescription. And, you know, working with a lot of people in myopia, I don't believe in LASIK surgery, but when you start uh, understanding myopia, a lot of my patients will say, well, what causes the myopia is my programming, what my mental setup is that changes the shape of the eyeball. Now, that's kind of radical to say that because, you know, in the medical literature, they say, well, it's mostly genetics and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I certainly have seen enough cases where there is an environmental impact on how we use our eyes that creates a certain type of prescription. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you go and have this cataract surgery, and it changes the refraction in the eyeball, but does it change the refraction in the mind or the brain or the body? Now, that's a debate that I have all the time with my ophthalmology colleagues because they say, what are you talking about? There, there's no prescription in the body. There's no prescription in the mind. But... What I see over time is that, especially in the LASIK world, that prescriptions tend to creep back in because there actually is a mental programming that is stronger than the prescription that they change in the eyeball. Mm -hmm. And there's another factor here, which is that nearsighted people operate in visual space very differently than farsighted people. So just to give you a contrast, a nearsighted person tends to do really well up close. They don't need glasses, or if they do, it's, a, it's a, still a minus lens. But their, their strength is I can see well up close without much of a prescription. They pull the world in. There's a tightening of the muscles, like the muscles become tight, and the minus lens kind of reinforces it. That's kind of the, the strategy of the, the nearsighted uh, pattern. And in farsightedness, it's just the opposite. In farsightedness, you push the world away. You have difficulty with focusing muscles. The muscles become flaccid mm -hmm. and you, you depend on the lens changing the size of the object 
to help you in your focusing and um, that you, you get dependent on this farsighted lens and then you need stronger and stronger farsightedness. Now, the, the, the rub here is that if you were nearsighted before the surgery, but your eye is now farsighted after the surgery, how are you adjusting to that difference? Now, maybe mm -hmm. you're adjusting really well. I, you know, you probably are. You look like you're pretty self-aware. But that's a, a lot of astigmatism they, they're giving you and a lot of magnification up close when before the surgery, your, your best vision was more, you know, up close. I mean, honestly, with the minus four, you, 14, you still needed, you know, prescription. You couldn't see without lenses. But um, so where am I going with this? Where, I know. <laughs> where I'm going with this is that my theory is that part of your glaucoma and dry eye is related to either the, the pre-surgical myopia that's still affecting your eyes and your anatomy and the possible discrepancy that you're dealing with between your nearsighted pre-surgery and your farsighted post-surgery. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes, if there's a way that you could do some kind of vision physical therapy to integrate the farsighted prescription now and maybe release some of the, the pre-surgical myopia, which is more mentally driven, if you could release some of that, understand it, get more awareness around it, it would create more circulation and less compression. And so the way you use your eyes functionally does affect the anatomy structurally. Function affects structure. And again, it's a buy-in because you might say, well, you know, th this is, you're talking Japanese to me. I'm doing great as I am. And this makes no sense to me. And if you say that, cool, we'll just move on. Um, but I need to share with you my body of work of thousands of people that I've helped reverse myopia and hyperopia and also dealing with surgery and refractive surgery, cataract surgery, and how it changes the mental, the emotional, the, the, the postural aspects of, you know, your, your vision. And it has more than do more to do with vision, which is how the eyes and the brain and the body work together than it is about reading an eye chart. So, mm -hmm. You know, this is this again, this is a huge new arena. You probably haven't seen this on my content, but um, I'd love to hear your opinion and feel free to be completely frank with me. Well, I, I no, I, you know, I, I, I can see your thought process. I'd be interested to know what, you know, type of exercises you're talking about you know mm -hmm. i'm being as a physical therapist i'm always open to exercises so mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i'd be interested you know to see what th that entails okay so that's a fair uh question so before i enter that uh the university of rochester did a very interesting study 
on how much of the brain is involved in vision. And their findings were that 50% of vision takes place in the brain. So it isn't just an eyeball experience. No, I, I totally understand that. You know, I, and, you, know, you, you, and, you see and, that, you see that with stroke people and, you know, certain portions of the brains that are, you know, affected and, you know, they can, the anatomy of the eye could be, you know, perfectly fine. But if the brain isn't functioning, then you have a non-functionally eyeball, you know? Yes, exactly. So think of this as physical therapy for your eyes. That's mm -hmm. really what it, what it is. And, you know, working with OTs and PTs over the years, like with traumatic brain injury. And, right. Mm -hmm. you know, there is a neuroplasticity, but I get arguments from my ophthalmology colleagues all the time. There's no neuroplasticity. The eye is only going to die, aging. And I can't, you know, talk them into anything else, uh, that there is a, an effect. But the eyes are the only part of the brain that are outside the cranial vault. Mm -hmm. um, so if the eyes are brain, why can't you access neuroplasticity? Well, again, I get nowhere with my ophthalmology colleagues because they want to just do surgery and, mm -hmm. and all that. So that's that's kind of the the deal. Okay, so I got a couple of questions for you, which will help me determine what is the best or or maybe a few physical therapy exercises for you. Mm -hmm. So my first question is. How much of the day do you wear this prescription glasses? Of um, uh, my, well, I have two, you know, my distance mm -hmm. and then my, my reading glasses. I am a big reader. So okay. I do, you know, several hours a day of reading. Okay. Um, and a lot of times in the house, I may not wear my distance glasses, but I definitely wear them for driving Okay. Um, and when I'm out in public, mm -hmm. um, I definitely wear them because with my glaucoma, yes. I have problems with, you know, you know, light and constriction of the, you know, my pupils and being able to see, you know, from light to dark or from, you know, dark to light, that type of stuff. So then I'll definitely wear them out then. So I would say glasses, I'm probably a good, you know, 80 to 90 percent of the day i have something on okay my next question is um what was the purpose of prescribing the prisms um from what i understand is um the muscle imbalance that i have i'm talking about subjective symptoms that you're having not something in your muscle like what what was your visual experience where they would even introduce prisms? Because prisms weaken your eyes mm -hmm. and they also weaken the muscles. Not all prisms, but the prisms they're giving you. And it's actually converging your eyes even more, mm -hmm. which is you can't access as much periphery. So it's not a great, um, it's not a great prescription in terms of wellness. It's, it's very symptom driven. I mean, were you having double vision? Were you having fatigue? Well, I think I, it might have been more. Um, I, I felt one eye was working harder than the other. I think you'd much be much better served by doing a physical therapy exercise 
to where you're in a situation where you have to use both eyes together in an exercise context than with glasses. Again, it's think of it like a splint. They're kind of keeping you Mm -hmm. stable, but it's not a great um, setup. And then the other thing is they're actually special kinds of yoke prisms that I developed. They're called yoked when I worked in the hospitals. And these are prisms that actually enhance your peripheral vision. In other words, what when you put them on, they take your peripheral, if you see my hands, and they move them out here. So I would rather see you in yoke prisms. Now, they probably don't know what that is. I don't know. Uh, but one of the things that, so when I say yoked, here's my hands, you're, you're accessing much more of your vision out in this area, and sometimes it can help you compensate for the blind spot. What you've got is, um, you know, it, it's a symptom. They're trying to control a, a symptom, and those kinds of prisms are not great. So um, there's a couple of, couple of ways to go here. One way is that you sent me your distance prescription. I would be open to writing a new prescription for you with the yoke prisms in it, mm-hmm. which will probably give you 20 to 30% more peripheral vision than what those okay. have. And the other thing to consider. And I where thought, would I find somebody that does yoke p- prisms? They just have to fill it. It doesn't matter. I mean, I, I'm. Oh, so, in other words, it would go to a lab and do it. Yeah, the la- any lab would do it because they're just. Okay. Going to you know, so I'm medically licensed in 50 states. So you can go any go to an optical store, and you take the prescription, and then they'll they'll make them for you. Okay. Make sure you get a frame that's not too small. You know, and the other thing is, and this gets kind of out there. I would do a plastic frame versus a metal frame. Oh yeah, metal I always do. I, I you know most of my I have plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then. What, what you'll do with those base down yoke prisms, so we're going to do base down in each eye instead of base out. Just start wearing them around the house and wear them. And you're probably going to notice you're going to have more vision, mm-hmm. maybe have less blind spot. And so neuro, neuroplasticity-wise, it's stimulating your retina differently because it's moving the light in a different angle into the retina and the optic nerve. And you can let me how you do. Let me know how you do with it. But to me, that that's that's an easy um, upgrade. Okay. And then the next thing you could do. There's a couple of things that I'll propose to you, and you kind of decide how you want to approach it. One thing that happens when you wear a plus lens, what you're wearing, flat, far sighted, is it does in some ways. Um, make your eye muscles less responsive to focus. And one of the ways to counteract that weakness that starts to come in is getting yourself a pair of what we call pinhole glasses. And you can get mm-hmm. them online anywhere. And you'll be surprised when you put those on, you'll actually be able to read without the magnification. And wearing those a few minutes a day, it's going to make you move your eyes through the holes Mm-hmm. And um, it's like an exercise. It actually strengthens your eye muscles. So that would be something that you could do. It'll even help your distance. 
So I would just do it in the comforts of your home just to wear something other than a prescription that's weakening your eyes because that's what, you know, your farsighted prescription is doing. Um, so that would certainly be easy. There's also an exercise that involves using your two eyes together where they have to focus at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's called, it's, it's on my website, but I'll send it to you. It's called the yin-yang peripheral vision exercise. And the reason why it's called yin-yang is you have two yin-yang symbols on a piece of paper, and then you've got three other pairs of images on that sheet. You print it out, and what you do with the first set of yin-yang, you just start there, and you hold it right up to your nose, but you mentally look through the paper. You mentally look through it, and I'll send you directions. You push it out, and all of a sudden, those two yin-yang will become three. And when they become three, it means that both of your eyes are working together. Okay. And so then you spend maybe about, you know, a minute just kind of moving the paper. You want to get out there at arm's length if you can. So you're now introducing to your brain and eyes what's what it's like to be simultaneous in your focus. Mm-hmm. You'll get the feedback by getting the three images. You've got four pairs of images. So you spend about a minute with each pair. Each pair is is different. And so by getting those three images, then you are now retraining or reprogramming the eye that's more dominant. Now the other eye has to come in and simultaneously you're using them both together. Mm -hmm. Do this without any glasses and, you know, do it two or three times a day, a minute or so. Um, And you might find after you're done, you might actually get some clearer eyesight from it. Because it's really working the muscles and the visual coordination. So um, I'll send you a link on how to how to do that. Okay. And then after that one, I would do a relaxation exercise on the eye muscles called the palm hum. So in the palm hum, you're rubbing your hands together. You're cupping them over your eyes. I'll send you directions. Your eyes are closed. You breathe in through the nose. When you exhale, you keep your mouth closed but you're making a humming sound like this. So you're going to get vibration in your jaw, in your face, and it's going to um, echo into the eye muscles. And also because your hands are over your eyes, these are going to be kind of like tuning forks. Whenever you put put sound into the eyes, it's uh, going to open up compression. It's going to, bring better circulation. Sound healing is, you know, a lot of people use it. Anyways, you do six or eight of the hums. You keep the hum contained in your face. After that sixth hum, you can drop your hands and slowly open your eyes. And people report to me, they see things much more clearly. and Mm -hmm. They they don't need their distance glasses for, for a while. So it's certainly something that if you could try it and see if it does that for you, um, but it's a way to bring more of the parasympathetic nervous system into it, create more relaxation, more mm-hmm. circulation. You know, it's a it's an organic way to improve your, you know, your eyesight. So the yin yang, and then the uh, do the palm hum after that. If you decide to get the pinholes, you yep. know, that would be another technique. And then we'll get you the yoke prism base down to enhance your peripheral vision. Now you're doing like four things 
yeah. that allow you to access vision improvement, which could indirectly, number one, reduce any of this compression uh, anatomically in the eyes because you're changing function. And also it might even lubricate your eyes a little better. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can try it for a couple of days and if you're getting some benefits, then continue. If you're okay. not, so be it. I also think it's a good idea in non-demanding situations to go without your glasses. Mm-hmm. That's a high percentage of time that you're wearing them. And so whatever you wear is reinforcing the adaptation you're, you're making to you with yourself. Right. Right. And so I realize that <laughs> it's okay. So the, the relationship that I'd like you to explore mentally is your relationship to blurry vision. And there's a, there's actually an exercise we do where you actually wear an opposite lens prescription. And when you wear that, you then mentally go into what don't I like about the blur? And you'll discover that there's some level of hypervigilance that you don't like the blur for some, you made some, some association. Well, if it's blurry, I'm going to miss something. I'm going to get it wrong. I could fall down. I, you know, we all have stories. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing is, is you wear that opposite lens prescription and it's challenging you to relax into the blur. You only do it for like a minute or so. And then you take the glasses off. And you will see things now in your naked vision much more clearly than you did before you put those blurry glasses on. And you do that exercise a few times a day. And over a period of a few weeks, people will say, you know, I don't need my distance glasses anymore. Or I'm feeling like now my prescription is too strong. So there's real value about emotionally and mentally going into the blur but doing it in a safe environment. So you mm-hmm. only it where you're locked in your bedroom. But it gets you to interact with any emotional, mental restrictions you have around blur. And um, I have a, a pair of glasses on my website, which are called Minus Lens to Blur. And most eye doctors, you know, they would never go for this. But if you're farsighted <clears throat> to wear the Minus Lens... And there's a whole uh, protocol I do, and I'll send it to you just so you can know about it. You can look at the video. Um, if you want to really, you know, go deep in this, doing that minus lens to blur could be really interesting around you relaxing into blur and then having more clarity without mm-hmm. any glasses. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it, it's, it just depends on how how deeply you want to go. I mean, even if you just did the pinholes, pinhole glasses, that would be in that direction because I think what you're wearing is affecting you. You may not be aware of it, but I I think it is. And I don't want you wearing a lot of progressive lenses. I'm assuming you're not. No, Uh, no, actually I try them and I couldn't, couldn't tolerate them. I was so dizzy with them. Things in the periphery, were not like stable. And right. it was, it was just, I said, I can't do these. <laughs> so the, the response, the retort to that is Mary, just get used to it. I said, no. <laughs> well, you're one of the few that got out of prison with that because 
the doctor will just say, no, you'll get used to it. You know, and see that really weakens your vision and it actually puts more pressure on your maculas because the only part of the, the, uh, the progressive lens you're using is your maculas. Mm-hmm. So, um, I have a lot of people in those progressive lenses that I have to wean them off of it. So good for you for, you know, knowing that that, that wasn't a, a good option for you. No. <laughs> um, and that's probably your physical therapy training and, and so on. So um, the, these would be some of the things. And I am going to write out a little treatment plan for you, and I'll send it to Great. you spotlighting some stuff. So yep. then you can, you can do your own research. And please do. I mean, I, again, um, this is not for everybody. And, you know, mostly you're doing well. There's one more thing I want to address is the dry eye. Mm-hmm. And so, um, being a chemist, I developed some really awesome eye drops, which you've probably seen called MSM, mm-hmm. sulfur molecule that um, helps detox the eye, lubricates, it's anti-inflammatory. You could do the 5% MSM eye drops if you wanted to during the day. And then in the evening, I created organic castor oil eye drops. Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. With an ointment. It's like an oint- I use it as an ointment. So I put it on the outside part of my eyelids before bed, and it's very moisturizing. And uh, with your dryness, I think possibly the castor oil could really help you in the evening. And then you could try the MSM during the day if you wanted to. Um, um, any concerns that I, I mean, I don't think I should. I mean, because I do, in my right eye, I have the bleb from the trabeculectomy that the no yeah. problem with the castor oil related to it? No, no cast, no problem. I would just start with a tiny bit. I mean, just a little bit in that right eye and just see how you respond mm-hmm. to it. Um, my experience has been that it's just going to create some moisture on the eyelids. And castor oil is extremely anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. It kills the skin. So, I mean, I would just... What I like to do with these things, everybody has a, is different. Like even with your glaucoma meds, just um, wait 15 minutes after you've done the glaucoma meds before you you know do these. If you're going to do these MSM and or castor oil, that's safe. And then with the castor oil, just use a tiny bit on that right side and see how it responds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've worked with people with corneal. Uh, transplants mm-hmm. with, um, uh, you know, the retinal detachment where they've had to put the oil in the retina and, um, they do well with the castor oil. You know, they, they always go towards that and they go away from the pharmaceutical drugs because that dries you out even more. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, those glaucoma meds are going to create more dryness. No, I, I, and I know that. Yeah. My, the, the eye that the left eye is always drier than the right eye. <laughs> and so that's where you need to counteract that with, I mean, even doing um, the similiacin homeopathic eye drops, they're safe. Um, I would start doing some more natural kind of eye drops like MSM, like homeopathic during the day and hydrate your eyes uh, four to five times a day and then doing the castor oil at night. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some people... They can do a lot of it. Some people, they go, I just need a little bit of it. They use too much. Their eyes may get red. They may burn. So it just says, because there's a detoxification uh, 
aspect to these eye drops. It's going to push the toxins, the drugs, the, the surgical things that you've absorbed in the eyes out. Mm-hmm. So you need to start slow in the uh, application of them. But these are, it's like eating organic food, you know, it's like at first you've been eating processed food. Yeah, you're going to feel sick and bloated and, you know, you're going to detox and stuff may come out of your skin. Um, It's the same thing here. Mm -hmm. And a detox on your eyes with these kinds of eye drops. So start very, very slowly. You could even just say wet a soft cloth and put a drop of the castor oil on the soft cloth, the wet cloth and use it as a compress over the eye, mm-hmm. that's even more indirect, and just see how your eye responds and follow that. Okay. It's worth a try it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the castor oil, there was actually a study that was published, ophthalmologists use castor oil to reduce meibomian gland dysfunction and the significant reduction in inflammation in the eyelids by using the castor oil. Um, it's not well known. They don't, because they want you to use restasis. Right. So, right. Um, when I found that study, I was like, well, that's interesting. Why isn't that in the mainstream? And it, they used homogenized castor oil in the eye to reduce dry eye, and, and the results significantly, they say, mm-hmm. significantly reduced dry eye symptoms. So that's why I went for it, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it works well. So so you got a lot of things here. I know. <laughs> I'll send you links. I'll send you information. You know, keep digesting my information. See what feels right. The more intuitive you are with it, if you get a yes, do it. If you get a no, don't. If right. you're uncertain, then just wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're very intuitive, and so use your intuition. Yeah, this makes sense to me. Okay, I, no, I, I, I don't want to do that. Um, and just kind of learn better regulation in your eyes, what you're going to give it. And, um, you know, you can improve your vision even if you get older, even with this glaucoma. What happens is the glaucoma fades in the background and you still have it. Mm-hmm. But it's not affecting you uh, nearly as much. Right. Especially if you start doing the physical therapy. That's very aggressive. You know, that you're really... You know, you're really confronting the vascular health at that point on a functional level. It's very important. Well, this, um, you know, a lot of really good, helpful information, like you said, that um, certain things that I know that I will definitely do, um, you know, um, like I keep in touch, send me an email, let me know how you're doing, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and at some point we can circle back and see what's improved, where you want to go. More. Mm-hmm. You know, the less medical interventions you do now, the healthier your eyes are going to be. And that's mostly in the pharmaceutical. Well, yeah. Well, that that's my, my whole thing, too. You know, keep you just, know you know, I know at one time before we did surgery to my right eye, I was up mm-hmm. to, you know, five different drops before they, you know, did surgery. To get yeah. the pressure down. Absolutely. So, that's, yeah. like that's, you know, that's the main way to try to control it. Right, right. And, um, right. Know, um, there's, there's many other things. You know, when I learned acupuncture and we were in the clinic and we were working with glaucoma patients, we actually saw quite a lot of improvement with acupuncture. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I when I 
would do craniosacral and measure people's eye pressure and visual fields. I couldn't believe in one session how much better they saw just by mm-hmm. getting more of that the spinal fluid right. you know, flowing in, in, the, in the brain and in the eye. So, you know, even meditation, there's a study out that says if you meditate, uh, it can bring your eye pressure down. That was one mm-hmm. of the research papers that came out at that glaucoma meeting. I was, I knew that, but it was great that they, they shared that. So, I mean, meditation, you know, mind body, you know, right. all of those things. Yes. Uh, yep. And I, I totally agree with that. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I really thank you for your time. Oh, you know, so welcome. Yes. And good luck to you. And, so I'll send you an email with the recording, and I'll send you a little treatment plan. That would be and fabulous. And then if you have any questions, you know, just email me, and I'm here yep. for you. Now, where did I, just one quick question. Where exactly in New, New Mexico? I didn't look geographically. Where? What big city are you near? Near Santa Fe. Okay, because I'm going to be in Santa Fe the end of May. <laughs> you are. Yeah, okay, my daughter well, lives in California, and one awesome. of her big things is she wants to go to the Georgia O'Keeffe museum so we're going to do some time in santa fe and then go out to um the ranch and stuff like that ghost ranch, yeah. Make, yeah. A, make a reservation for ghost ranch because it does fill up no that's uh, what we just got our ticket our plane okay. tickets and then um that's what we're doing next ghost is the, yeah it'll be yeah. a very nice time of year and uh, um the, i was just at the georgia o'keefe museum it's it's wonderful right now so great restaurants yeah. and um lot to do but look if you're feeling like you know you want to see me in person then just contact monica yeah and, and do that and you don't have to i'm not requiring you no 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 no, no. More on you. but uh, if you felt like you wanted to come yeah. and see me you know, i was just like i said i was just kind of you know curious yeah. like i said yeah. i didn't sit down geographically to find out where you were <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're right across the street from the opera uh just north of santa fe uh, Village mm-hmm. called Tasuki. It's okay. a um, uh, Native American reservation. So, okay. Anyway. Um, All right. So I'll wait for your email, and yes. and I have a lot of stuff to work on here, and you know, well, you it, right? It, it, well, to me, it, it, there there's things that I can do. I just didn't like the medical community to just to say to me, "It is what it is," you know. So. This is encouraging to me to try them and, you know, see what happens, you know, so there's something out there. Oh, totally. Yes. So, All right. Well, I wish you well and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.